Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today is lesson number two in Members Together, United Together in the Body of Christ. You know, when Jesus Christ arose from the dead and went to heaven later on, the most important thing he did was introduce the body of Christ. Up until that time, it was a physical body he had. Now it's a spiritual body around the world. We are doing the same work as Jesus Christ and as much united as Jesus prayed in his prayer that they may be one as we are one. Unity with each other. Let's talk about it today from the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hi, I'm Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again back to Student of the Word. We began a series yesterday, which will end today, a two-parter, on the fact that we are all members of the body of Christ, members together. This is a revelation that Paul had. In fact, he's the only one of the writers of the New Testament that mentions nine times in his writings about Jesus being the head of the body we and we are the body itself. No other writer except for Paul does this. And we actually went back and began to trace out when this occurred. And it was the day that he was knocked down on the road to Damascus. And the first thing the Lord said to him was, why are you persecuting me? I mean, his answer, he must have rationalized in his head. What do you mean persecuting you? I just, we just, it started with a young man named Stephen. He says, no, his name was Jesus. No, we just killed a young man. No, you killed me. Every time you touch one of them, you touch me. And he was going on. And that's when he began to realize something. No wonder these people are filled with such fervor. They're not only attached to God, they're attached to each other. You and I are attached to each other. What do you mean by that, Pastor Bob? Well, the fact that we are all part of the body of Christ. And listen, if you hurt your finger, the whole body suffers. I mean, we all, it hurts and it hurts throughout the entire body when your finger is hurt and you jam your thumb or whatever. And that's what happens too. And so uh, Jesus is simply saying, not only do I feel it, but the entire body feels it. That's why they all work together. They pull together. We often think we're unified because we agree on doctrine. That is not it at all. We are unified because we're birthed into this. And there may be times when you've got something wrong with your finger, does it work quite right? And it's not, it's like it's not even working with the rest of the body. It's doing its own thing. And, uh, you know, the older I get, sometimes my, my joints get stiffer than they used to get. And, and there's, I don't like it, but you know what? It's like my, my hand or my, or my knuckles or something are working different than the rest of my body. And that's what happens sometimes when we get, co- when we get cockeyed, we get a little counter and crossways with other Christians when we shouldn't be doing that because the God wants us to strive to walk in unity with each other. What is it that unifies us? It is not doctrine. We will not agree on doctrine until we get to heaven. He has simply put us together and we are unified because we are one thing, born again. The moment I became born again, I was birthed into this body, the body of Christ. I became one with you. We became one with God the Father. God becomes one with us. We become one with Jesus. Jesus is one with the Father, one with us. Therefore, we are all blended together. And the moment we became one inside the body, we cannot be separated. Now, again, you may be acting contrary to what God wants you to in the body of Christ and you become a hindrance to us. But the point of it is we are unified because of one thing we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The dividing line between going to heaven and going to hell is just one thing. Those names not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life are cast in the lake of fire. 
That must mean if your name is found written in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to heaven. And heaven now belongs to you. You belong to heaven. You're part of the body of Christ on earth and you're part of the family of God when you get to heaven. The family of God will always exist. For this cause, Paul said, I bow my knee to the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What's he saying? I became part of the family on earth, but I never leave the family. I might leave the body when I die and go to heaven. The body of Christ operates here on earth. I may not be part of the church. The church only operates here on earth, but I never leave the uh, family of God. We will always be together. And so when I get to heaven, we'll understand that. And then there we will have all of our doctrines straightened out. I've said this before. One of the reasons we may be in heaven for eternity is God's got to straighten all of us out. And that's going to take a long time. So in the meantime, we'll all have doctrinal differences, but just get over it. If the person you're talking to might be a different denomination from a different church, from a different set of beliefs, but if they do one thing, they've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are united together and God wants us to operate in as much unity as is possible. So, God has willed that the risen Jesus Christ and all believers since the day of Pentecost are to be the one of members of one body under one man who is the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians, that's why we're offering the book of Ephesians for this broadcast. Ephesians teaches that the body of Christ is us and Colossians teaches the head of the body is the Lord Jesus Christ. At the new birth, we become one with Christ. He and we form the whole man. We are as inseparable with him as he is inseparable from the Father. We are one with him as he is one with the Father. John chapter 17, the night before Jesus Christ was arrested or the night he was arrested and then the next day taken to prison and the next day crucified. In John 17, Jesus prayed that famous prayer. And one of the greatest things in that prayer is unity. He talks about the unity that he has with the Father and the Father has with him. Then he prays that the unity he has with the Father, now that the believers coming up, those will have the same unity with he himself, Jesus Christ, which also means they'll have unity with the Father. He's simply pointing out that when a person gets saved, he becomes one with Jesus Christ. He also becomes one with the Father. But here's the extra step we don't often see. We all become one with each other. And Jesus prayed this in John 17, verse 22 and verse 23. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I want you to notice, they may be one as we are one. God will always be one with the Father, but it's a choice whether you want to be one with the person next to you or not. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. In other words, we've been blended together and Jesus Christ is one with the Father. The Father is one with Jesus Christ. He's one with me. I'm one with you. We've all been blended together. And listen, when we were unified together, you can't separate us. We are all united by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you mingle blood, how do you unmingle blood? It's like trying to unscramble eggs. And so it's the, be the beautiful analogy too. We become one with each other. Jesus gave previews of this teaching where we would take his place 
when he left this earth and we would fulfill his ministry. Let's take a look at some of them. First of all, in John chapter nine and verse five, we are told that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But we're told later on in the book of Matthew chapter five and verse 14, now that Jesus is gone, we are the present light of the world. And Jesus said that. He simply said, I am the light of the world. Then he went on to say, now you are the light of the world. That didn't occur until Jesus Christ left the earth and on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, that fire that came from heaven, it's like it lit everybody in the upper room. They became one with Jesus Christ as far as the new birth was concerned, but then also the Holy Spirit came on them to, to perform miracle signs and wonders and become witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus was given God's authority of the Holy Spirit to show signs and wonders and miracles. Now that we have been born again, we've been given the same power. We've been given the same authority. We are here long enough to do greater works and greater miracles in the earth than Jesus himself did. John 14, 12, he had no problem saying this. Jesus was not jealous in any way when he said, the works that I do, you'll do also, and you'll even do greater works than I do. Why? Because I have to go to my father. Jesus had a three-year ministry in this earth, 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Then he went to heaven. And since that time, we've been on the earth now for some 2,000 years. And I I don't think that Jesus meant we would do greater as far as miraculous, incredible things. He meant quantity-wise. He only did so many. We uh, together have done so much more, and that's why we do greater miracles as far as numbers are concerned than Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus was God's ambassador, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says that now we stand in that same ministry of an ambassador of reconciliation, the message that Jesus had we have been given to give to each other. You know what we're saying over and over again? We're unified with each other. We are one with God the Father, one with Jesus Christ, but we're also one with each other. You know what that simply means? There's no such thing as God has a Baptist arm, a Methodist arm. Doesn't mean he's got a Presbyterian ear. All of us are members of the body of Christ. In fact, these are terms we put on ourselves for denominations. You know what? Usually those names often further divide us because not only are we Baptists, we're Southern Baptists. Oh, we're, we're Independent Baptists. We're Free Will Baptists. We're Pentecostal. No, we're Assemblies of God. No, we are. And we go down the list of things. And I mean, all types of denominations. Then you have Southern and Northern and all the different branches of all the different ones. It simply comes back to that. We put those names on ourselves because of a difference of doctrine with another group. And it comes back to this. Jesus says, I don't see you that way. I see you as one in the body of Christ. I see the body of Christ, period. I'm the head. I need you. I don't need you trying to divide yourself from each other. And that's why the Bible says that we are to strive for the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know what the greatest thing in a church to see is unity among all the people. You know what? That can't come just from the pastor. It can't just come from Jesus. We are to strive for the unity of the faith. In other words, striving means that unity demands work and the work must come from us. We must choose. When we find out that the person sitting next to us in church has been there for months and we often come, we see them, so we sit next and we find out one day they disagree with us on a doctrine and that's the point where we, well, I don't like you anymore. And we separate from them over one issue. Understand this, what if Jesus separated us from us over an issue we disagreed with him on? Oh, we think we have it all right. But to find out one day we actually disagreed with Jesus in the Bible, we had the wrong perception. Aren't you glad during that time Jesus didn't separate himself from us? He simply says, as the head does to the hand, I need you. And he says to the feet, I need you. 
And he says to all the other parts of the body, I need you. This is what God is simply saying. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 20 says, we are all ambassadors and we've been given the very same ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Christ had. So we come back to this. Here's the amazing thing. The crucifixion seems to be the major and main theme and main message of the four gospels. Jesus' death marks the end of the historical human Jesus. It seems that all four gospels tell the same story that Jesus came to die, period. That's his purpose. Oh, it tells of his life. It tells of his miracles. It tells of his teachings. It tells of the gatherings of people that were around him, the places he went to. But the same story is told in the four gospels. He came to die. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. And to do that, I have to die. He told his disciples this. Even Peter said to him one time, no, no, Lord, you're not going to die. And Jesus had to rebuke him because the purpose of why he came was to die for the sins of the world. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 18. Mark chapter 9 and verse 31. And Mark chapter 10 and verse 33 tells us exactly the same thing. I'm going to say that again. The crucifixion seems to be the main message of the four gospels. More detail is given surrounding Jesus' arrest, his trial, his beatings, his crucifixion, then all of his works, all of his healings and miracles. Now listen to me, more time is spent describing his works, but more detail is given on his arrest and his trial and his beatings and his crucifixions and all the works he did. You might say the whole purpose of his life was to die. And that's exactly what it was. And every one of the four gospels comes down and gives great detail on the death and the method of death and how he died on the cross, how he was buried and all of that, than any other detail mentioned in the word of God in the New Testament. We'll continue right from here, right after the break, right after halftime, we'll get back. Be sure and get a copy of my book on the book of Ephesians. Ephesus was famous for reckless living and idol worship. Even so, the Ephesian church was deeply spiritual. Unlike other letters correcting error, Paul's letter to the Ephesians revealed to mature believers both the truth of who they are in Christ and the practical application of this revelation to their marriages, families, and everyday lives. Bobby Andian's New Testament commentary on Ephesians ties in Greek word studies and scriptural references, revealing God's empowering grace and the unprecedented authority of every believer as part of the body of Christ on earth. To order the New Testament commentary on Ephesians, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Well, we left off here at the break telling you the fact that more detail is given in the four gospels surrounding the arrest, the trial, the beatings and crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his works. Again, more space is given 
describing his works, but to actually get out and describe individually, go into detail about each of his works, it doesn't. It talks about him healing here, healing here, this woman, this man, a little bit of detail on it, but literally more detail is given surrounding his arrest, trial, beatings, and crucifixion than all of his works. You might say the whole purpose again of his life was to die, and that is exactly true. The purpose of the writings was to tell about the fact that Jesus came to die. No book on the life of any person would give a greater amount of time and explanation to how they died, how their departure came, than the formation of their beliefs and accomplishments of their life. No one would do that. Why would you buy a book that they go into great detail to tell how he was killed, how the bullets hit him, how that this thing happened to him, how that his life eked out of him, rather than telling about his great accomplishments or the famous beliefs he had, this is why you pick up a book. Although Jesus rose from the dead, more time is still dedicated to his sufferings and his death. We often call, of course, the life of Christ when his life was to die and then to be raised up. Yet Jesus' death is an introduction to the main message. I'm gonna say that again. The whole purpose of the four gospels seem to be all four of them pointing in great detail in each one of them. In fact, some pick up more detail than others do, put them all together, and you get this incredible different looks at the different aspects of Jesus Christ being arrested and beaten and a crown of thorns, the blood that flowed from him, carrying his own cross, put on the cross, nailed on the cross, and then finally Jesus, of his own free will dying there. But here's the point of it was, once Jesus arose from the dead, we find out something. Jesus' death, burial, resurrection was all an introduction to the main message of the New Testament. Well, I thought the main message of the New Testament was the death of Jesus Christ. No, that's why he came. But Jesus' death was really the introduction to the main message. I want to talk about that for just a moment. It's like there are two main things. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the bridge between the two is the death of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the Old Testament is Act 1, and the church is Act 2, and between it, we have an intermission. That intermission is after Jesus Christ arose from the dead. We have 40 days when Jesus walked on this earth. The seeming defeat of Jesus and his sudden departure off the earth only set the stage for the main message of the time to come. That is the church. That is his body. That's what we've been talking about. The whole purpose of why Jesus had to leave this earth was to no longer show his physical body, whether it was the physical body before he was killed on the cross or afterwards when he arose in a resurrection body. That was not the purpose. It was to show his new body, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as his body could travel, be here, lay hands on the sick. Now the body called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can do it worldwide. Jesus was confined to a particular place, and that was the area of, of Jerusalem, Judea, and he even went to Samaria a little bit, but he didn't go into any other foreign countries. We, from the moment we are called, is going to the whole world and spread the gospel. Now you are his hands, you are his feet. Oh, I hope you're trusting and getting what I'm saying now. That's why we are the body of Christ. That's why he's the head in heaven and we are the body on earth fulfilling his will and his will was going to all the world and preach the gospel. Out of his death came our life, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The head had to go to heaven so the body could be formed filled with the same life and anointed by the same Holy Spirit with the same power and same authority that Jesus had. God's desire was to replace his only son with a multitude of sons and daughters. 
Jesus, who said, I am the light, saw that life extinguished on the cross as far as humanity was concerned. Now his light has been reignited in us, all believers since the day of Pentecost. His light now lives in us, his members, his body. I am the life, saw that life killed on the cross as far as his humanity was concerned. His eternal life has now been given to anyone who will believe in him. We who are born into death can be redeemed into eternal spiritual life and everlasting physical life one day with God himself in our resurrection bodies. Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. So here's the point. We're not only members with God, but we're members with Jesus Christ himself, but we're also members with each other. Think about this. Each part plays its part. I mean, the ear plays its part. Think about this too. I mean, you have an ear on both sides of your head, but no two ears are the same. Did you know you don't hear exactly the same in both ears? And that's why they check both ears when you go in there. And they'll find out that this ear can pick up tones this ear cannot. And that's how we hear everything. Again, the two ears, and they don't even look alike. I mean, my ears, I've got a larger lobe on one side, earlobe, than I do on the other side. I don't like it, but guess what? I had no choice in it. I would think if God gave me two ears, they would look exactly the same. Did you know with your two eyes, you don't see exactly the same out of both of them? That's why when you go in for an eye exam, they examine both of your eyes. And the two lenses you might get for contacts or for your glasses will be a little bit different because what? The two are not exactly the same. And sometimes even one's a little bit different taller than the other one is. It goes back to this again, that God has given this. And I don't care if you meet another finger in the body of Christ. I don't care if you meet another ear in the body of Christ. It comes back to this. Even my two index fingers don't look exactly the same. And that's the way it is the body of Christ. You might have the same calling to pastor, but how you pastor will not be like somebody else pastors. You might have the same office and calling as a teacher, but you won't be the same as some other teacher. You're a little bit different in all respects. And it comes back to it. You are unique and you fit right into the body of Christ, but understand your uniqueness does not separate you from others. It unites you with them and you can do what they can't do, but they can do what you can't do. We need each other. Why don't we get this across? If God needs us, if Jesus needs us, then we need each other. Quit labeling them. Quit looking at people like saying, well, they don't agree with me on this and they don't agree with me on that. What can we get together and agree on? And I hope it's the one major thing. We need to win souls for Jesus Christ and make disciples out of that. It comes back to this. No two parts can fill in for each other. I mean, they can, but it's difficult for one to fill in for another. If you, I mean, if you lose your legs, you might have to actually start using your hands to get around somewhere, but your hands weren't made for it. So it takes a whole lot of work to do it. You'd wish you had your legs back. If you're going Going blind, your nose cannot fill in the place of the eye. So some parts absolutely cannot fill in for some other part. If the heart is failing, the stomach can't fill its place and pump blood. The parts of the body play a unique role as do each of us in the body of Christ. We each were designed to use our unique callings and gifts to work together with the rest of the body of Christ. We are as much one with each other as we are with Jesus Christ and we are with God the Father. God doesn't see us as Baptists and Methodists or Pentecostals, but as Christ's one body. God sees us as hands and feet and eyes and ears and nose. He sees us according to what we are called to do and how we function in the body of Christ. 
we not only see ourselves as separate from denominations, but we also separate ourselves from those of the same persuasion. We separate from our own over the rapture, whether or not we should confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, whether or not we can lose our salvation, whether or not you believe in other things, water baptism, some immerse, some sprinkle. I think immersion is the right thing to do because I find in the Bible, but if you don't, you know what? God is gonna meet you in heaven and say, oh, you sprinkled, you can't come into heaven. One thing is gonna get us into heaven. Did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? The only thing God sees us as is hands and feet and ears and eyes. And when God sees us, he sees Christ. No wonder that the Lord spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus. Why are you persecuting me? And when we gripe and complain at other believers, you know what? God must say to us, why are you coming against me? And Jesus might speak the same thing he did to Saul on the road to Damascus. If you are born again, you are members of the body of Christ, one with the Father, one with Jesus, and one with all believers. When one member suffers or rejoices, we all suffer and rejoice. The feet and hands are all members, so is the foot and so is the head. Only one who calls himself a Christian but does not believe in the atoning work of Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven is not a member of the body of Christ. It comes back to this. If your name is in the book of life, you're going to heaven. You're one with Jesus Christ. If your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, you are not a Christian, not going to heaven. That's the only thing that should separate us. And the beauty of it is if you're not in the Lamb's book of life, we can witness to you and your name will be there forever. So there's no such thing as the universal fatherhood of God or the brotherhood of man. We have no fellowship with that person in life who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. We might have a natural fellowship with him, but we can have no spiritual fellowship. We'll have no fellowship with him in eternity. Here's the point. When a radical Muslim beheads a Christian, he doesn't ask if he's a Baptist, Methodist, or Catholic. He thinks we're all Christians. Why can't we? Mark chapter nine, verse 38 through 40, John answered Jesus saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name and we forbid him because he didn't follow us. Jesus said, do not forbid him for one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards, how can he speak evil of me? For he who is not against us is on our side. How do we handle differences in the body of Christ? Philippians chapter three, verses 15 and 16. Folks, what we're simply saying right there is if the world thinks we're all Christians, why can't we? If God sees us all as members of the body of Christ, why can't we? If God sees us all members of one church, why can't we? If God sees us as all members of the family of God, why can't we? Why do we draw differences, lines, and put walls up between ourselves and somebody else? Philippians chapter three, verse 15 and 16 says this, therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even unto you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. And what are we saying here? We need to understand we are one with each other. And I want you to notice this again. It says, if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you. What does this mean? If in anything you have a difference of opinion, let's wait for God to show us. In the meantime, let's put our arms around each other. We have a work to do and we need to work with each other. You know, I taught this in church one night. 
out of Philippians chapter three and verse 15. And I just asked the congregation that was there that night, how you've ever taught on something that, that you disagreed with me on? Every hand went up. I mean, I was shocked. I didn't expect every hand to go up. In fact, I was almost like humiliated, like, really? What are you talking about? And when I asked him, some of the silliest things came out and everybody had to laugh about it, how insignificant it was. And yet there are people who leave churches over things that silly and that insignificant. When the greatest thing is we agree on this much, why do we argue over this little bit we disagree on? Let's get the work done. Let's win souls for Jesus Christ and understand this. We'll all be in heaven together to laugh over our differences because now we are in the place we were destined to be, in heaven, around the throne of God, rejoicing with the family of God. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.